Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Amen. You know, the Bible says that when we know the truth, the truth will make us free. That's a process. The more we know the truth, the freer we become. And so it's the changes that take place on the inside of us when we can see what God sees, when we can know what God knows, and when we see differently, we seek differently. When my perceptions change, my actions change. I view people differently. I act in different ways. I function in different ways. I desire different things. Actually, someone in this house told me this week as we were talking about this validation series, and they said, you know, and this is like one of those loving, validating, supporting, celebrating people you ever want to meet, loyal to the bone. And they said, I see myself viewing people differently. That this truth has so uh, saturated their spirit man. See, a lot of times we don't realize that we have bias, assumptions, stereotypes. We have internal judgment about race, about age, about political status or political ideologies or social status. You know, when we carry these prejudgments or prejudices on the inside of us, and we're amazingly good people. But until we see as heaven sees, we will not view others as heaven views them. This is huge. Now, I've been laying a strong biblical foundation for validation, how we are to value ourselves and value others, but I've also given you the support of science that what God said in his word thousands of years ago, science is discovering about the hierarchy of value within the human brain. Even the value that is woven into every DNA strand of the physical body. Why? Because our creator, a God who is love, a God who valued mankind so much, that when he created man, he literally wove himself into all of us. Whether we are believers or we are not, all of humanity has the signature of the creator woven into them and will never touch our world by judgment, criticism, attacking. Come on, we'll never, ever see revival with those attitudes, with those mindsets. We'll never touch our world if we're walking in pride, thinking we are better than somebody else. Man, it's by the goodness of God that I'm standing here. Oh, my gosh. If you all would have known me. I, tell, I talk about my past, but if you would have known me, you would not have liked me. You knew me. You liked me, though, didn't you? <laughs> all right. He liked me. But he was all messed up, too, so... 
while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Come on, guys. When our mindsets shift, we will go into our world with a different mindset, a different view. And people will feel it. They will know it. I won't just be saying, I value you. I won't even need to say it because they'll know it. So we learned in the science of axiogenics that hierarchy of value and that first hierarchy of value is to value yourself and value others. That's intrinsic. And remember, you cannot value what you do not love. God loved us so much. He put so much value to us that Jesus came and he died on the cross and he rose again so we could be bought back. Somebody had to pay a price. And you only pay a price for what you value. If I try on a top and it makes me look fat, I put that back right on the rack. Man, I don't, I don't value that top at all. But I put it on and miraculously I look thinner. I'm buying that. <laughs> valuing ourselves and valuing others, putting people first, humanity first, human beings are beautiful. As I said in that video, people are inerrantly good. People are not born prejudiced. Come on, guys. We learn it. And it's not something God wants us to learn. In fact, he wants us to unlearn it so we can represent him. Every tribe, every people, every nation, every tongue. Come on. Loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your might, mind, and strength, and loving other people as we love ourselves. So we've got to love us so we can love others. We've got to celebrate who God created us to be so I can celebrate someone else. But then he gave a higher commandment to love others like he loves them. Help us, Jesus. <laughs> Come on. But when that foundation is in place, then we can go to extrinsic value, which is celebrating our internal treasure, celebrating what we carry so we can celebrate what other people bring to the table. So now I'm not in competition with Tracy. We are very different in so many ways. Value is very much the same, but very different. But guess what? I can celebrate her for being her. I was with someone yesterday, and they started saying, well, I'm doing this, and then I, is that okay? And I go, you've got to be you. Well, you're hard to measure up to. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You've never been called to measure up to me, and I've never been called to measure up to you. Your only responsibility before God is to be you. My responsibility before God is to be who he created me to be. Not the faults, flaws, and errors, and the sins, and the attitudes. No, that, that's not who I am anyway, right? It's not who, well, I've always been afraid of that. That's not me. In fact, it's sabotaged me my whole life, the things I've been afraid of. There are some fears I don't want to let go of, like the fear of snakes. <laughs> I think I'll probably keep that one for a while because I just so hate them. You know what? You fear what you hate. Come on, guys. I can't preach there. Okay. It's what we bring to the table and valuing what other people bring. 
See, this is what people produce. This is what I produce. So it's people first, productivity second. People first, productivity second. And that leads us to today. That was the introduction, okay? Review from three weeks of teaching. So if you really want an in-depth, you'll have to listen to all those teachings. But that leads us to systemic value. This is the third. It's very, very important, and it must be in place. But in the order of hierarchy, it is the third. And that's systemic structure, systemic value. So it's the system structured. It's the wisdom. Think about it. When God created man, he did something first. He created a structure. He created the earth. He created the solar system. He created the sun to bring heat. Come on. He created light. He created day and night. Come on. He created the animals and the trees and the herbs and all those other things. He made all this stuff for what he valued most, man. So he had a systemic structure so that when he created man, and you know when he created that, he said, man, this is good. You know, this system, this is good. What I just did in these last five days, man, this is good. But then he did it on the next day, the sixth day, I believe it was, he created man. And he said, now this is very good. And why was it very good? It's because everything was created for what he really valued most. Those that were created in his image after his likeness that would represent him upon the earth. And you know, when he made them, he valued them. And the first thing he did was put them to work. That four-letter word, W-O-R-K. We so school our brain to hate work. But God gave them work. He said, I put something inside of you. And when you work this garden, you're not only going to see how valuable you are, but you can see what you can do and how you can store what I created. You know what? God put that extrinsic value what you carry inside of you. And the systems and the structures, that productivity, are the things that allow growth. Without the system and structure, there'll be no growth. On the next slide, put up the, the studio. Oh, I'm sorry. Just go to the next slide. There we go. Yeah, sorry. I don't always stick, so they get confused back there. All right. <laughs> I have my notes. I just don't always use them. All right. So look at this picture. That is our video studio down in the other building. Do you know what that is? That's all systemic value. That's all that is. In itself, it doesn't hold a lot of value It's in itself alone. But it creates the structure, the how-to, the systems, the processes, the video equipment, the audio equipment, the lighting, you know, the colors, all those things coming together. Why? To release what individuals carry. And when we release what we carry, we're seeing that, wow, we have got a voice. We've got a message. We carry something that has the ability to impact society. From this little country town, we can reach the world. 
But that systemic value literally allows what we carry and who we are to spread to nations. That's the power of the internet. That's the power of Facebook Live. That's the power of all that other stuff, YouTube, everything. It's simply a structure that can be used for good or for harm. And what happens, it allows the generation of validation. If I have the how-to, how do I release what's inside of me? How do I release my voice? How do I release the gift that's on the inside of me? When I know the how and I get to do what's in the inside of me, then I can see and experience and walk in the fullness of my value. So when you value you, you also value what you carry. And when you value what you carry, you're going to look for the structure that's going to release it. So when all these are present and in their proper order, remember whenever we put structure, if we go, and Katie will attest to this. I like pretty. And so that beautiful picture, that's when it's pretty. But you know, Every time we video, if you look beyond that picture, you got junk on this side and junk on this side, and it's like, I want this all cleaned up. I don't like all this stuff. But see, you need this stuff for another setting, and you need this stuff for another setting, you know, and you're looking at all that, and it's like, I can't worship the structure. Come on. I can't value that pretty picture above the message that's coming forth. Do you see that? We need the house. We need the structure, but we can't worship that structure because the structure is in there to release what we carry so that there can be a fullness of actualization of who a person is. So they need to be in the right order. You don't want me to love you for what you do. You want me just to love you. Come on. They have to be in the right people first, productivity second, and policies and structures third. But we need all three. So when all those things are in the proper order and all those things are present, there will be emotional health. <sighs> when you can be you, there's emotional health. When who you are and what you carried is so valued, it brings a fulfillment to your soul. On the video, I said, we'll never see healing to our nation by condemning it judging it and being critical of it. Hey, I've been to a lot of nations. <laughs> We've got our problems here, but guess what? The world has got their problems, and the only way we're going to see our nation heal is if we begin to pray and value it. We're going to prophesy peace to our nation. We're going to prophesy peace to our communities. We're going to prophesy peace to our families. We're going to prophesy peace to individuals. Healing will only come when there is love and validation. Scientifically proven, and God said it all along. There is a full release of an individual's abilities and their personal value. There is confidence and the ability to become a generator of value. Because guess what? When my needs are met, I have the ability to meet somebody else's. When I see the fulfillment of my voice, 
then I'm able to look at you and say, I want to see the fulfillment of your voice. What systems, what structures can be put in place so that I can be released? See, this is what really releases emotional health and a sense of fulfillment. When there is a revelation of the intrinsic and extrinsic value, then we will value the systemic value. See, what we've seen is so many people focus on what color the carpet is. People focus on traditions of men. People focus on all the external things, and they're not valuing the people. They're worshiping religious traditions of men rather than celebrating the people that Jesus came and died for and rose again for. Come on. Lynn Taylor, he's somebody that I work for, uh, he says, I became, this is the power. This is the power of seeing your value. It's the power of seeing what you carry. And it's the power of the structures that are in place for that to be released. He says, I became what I was meant to become, and I did what I was meant to do. I am being who I really am, doing the real work I am called to do. Man, that's powerful. That's a place of actualization. That's a place of fulfillment. That's a place where I'm going to love life. And even when things aren't going good, I'm going to still love life because I know what I was meant to do. I know who I was meant to be, and I put the structure, so it can release the real work that expresses that. Real work is where everything we are is expressed. So what does the enemy want? Remember last week? The enemy wants to put a bushel basket on your light so you don't shine. But I'll tell you, when that basket comes off and you're a light in the midst of a dark world, it feels good. You know, when you do right, you feel right. You'll never feel good criticizing or gossiping about somebody else. It'll never make you feel good. Even though it releases, according to science, dopamine. That means people can get addicted to gossip. People can get addicted to negative thought patterns. What is addiction? It's an automatic pattern of thought that I don't know how to think any other way because I've fed it so much. But no, we're talking about the real you where everything we are is expressed in purity. That means without fear. Oh, I loved our songs today about fear because what happens when we believe the lies of fear, it sabotages who we are. We actually become the opposite of who we are when we walk in fear. But when we have a confidence in who God is in the midst of us and value who he created us to be, guess what? Fear is driven back. And I can just be me and do it for him. All fear goes when I don't have to perform. So where everything we are is expressed, our work is meaningful because it was assigned by our maker. I'm actually being who God created me to be. Oh, my goodness. You know, we spend our young years and our wounded years, and I was a messed up person, so I can't speak for everybody else. That's why we want to teach and train our kids so they don't grow up with the mess that I grew up with, the mindsets that I grew up with. Come on. But the fact is, we live our lives just trying to get our knees met, getting what makes us feel good 
doing the thing that satisfies us, and it'll never satisfy. When you live for yourself at the exemption of others' happiness, it will make you miserable. There would not be divorce if there wasn't ego or a worship of ego. Everyone has an ego because it just means self. But when I worship myself and my needs are predominant and everything I do is to try to take and get my needs met, guess what? It's all fear-driven and it'll sabotage who I really am and what God's called me to do. And then I'll search for faultier pseudo-structures to somehow get my needs met. So if I do all these things and I work hard and when Stephen walks in the door and he sees all this, he'll go, Melody, you're the most amazing woman on the planet. I love you. There's nobody more special than you. Come here, baby. Huggy, huggy. You know what? I can do all those things. He comes home and he goes, man, I'm tired. And he goes up into his office. Now I'm angry at him because I made pseudo false lying structures to get my need met. But when we see our value and we value others and we have structures that empower that, then guess what? I live my life contributing. Lord, if you put a voice in me, this voice must impact my world. This message must impact my world. I'm believing for the Stop Devaluation Movement to go global. Because I know biblically and I know scientifically. And in the world, I use the science. At church, I get to use the Bible. Hallelujah. Absolute truth, right? But I know it has the power to heal. It's proven to heal. To heal the mind. To heal the thoughts. To heal the pain. To heal the past. Because all the things that tried to sabotage us, guess what? Are all fear-based. It's come from injustice. It's come from abuse of power. It's come from being devalued and belittled and shamed. Come on. So guess what? When validation comes in, it begins to drive out that which is false. You know, I don't want to live by default. I want to live by design. I don't want to live a life only loving those that are lovable. That's easy to do. Doesn't the Bible say that? It's easy to love somebody who loves you. Come on, but try loving somebody who doesn't. That's a higher level. Hey, I work for the FBI. I lived in D.C. I know the dog-eat-dog -dog world. Everyone was so focused and fear-driven, focused on themselves and fear-driven. That we'd step on anybody to get ahead, but it never satisfied because it's contrary to who the creator created us to be. But when I lose my life, I actually find it. When I give my life away, I actually get it. And it feels good, guys. We're not led by feelings, but when you do the right thing, it feels good. Come on, doesn't it? Do you ever hear it's more blessed to give than to receive? Hey, it's fun to receive, isn't it? Come on. Everybody like, okay. But the fact is when you give something, you're so excited for what you're giving. Because see, every time you contribute to your world, 
The return isn't what you get back from that person. It's not what the world gives back to you. It's what takes place inside of you. And I can't go into all of this today, but whatever I do immediately feeds back into who I am. And we know when the Bible says, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So if I sow money, I'll get money. Yeah, that's probably true. But it's really not saying that. It's saying what I sow, immediately I reap back into who I am as a person. And instantly I reap Life and health and hope and peace and a sense of my value, a sense of my worth, a sense of who God created me to be. Instantly, when I do the right thing, I feel that inside of me. I have reaped instantly. Come on. A life of real work, being what you were meant to be and doing what you meant to do. Guess what? This is achievable. Come on. This is not an impossible thing. I'm not uh, teaching some ideological thing that cannot be attained. No, this is achievable. It is desirable. It is fulfilling. Why? Because we're just being who God meant us to be in our world. How can validation... So we have intrinsic value, extrinsic value, and systemic value. And when all those three things come together, we can change our world. Literally, the generation of values can shift cultures. Husbands, can you imagine being the person who brings so much validation to the imperfection of the people you live with. Wives, can you imagine valuing those around you so much, no matter their perfect performance or not? How will that shift the culture of your home? This is so practical, and it all deals with how we think. The Bible says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, which is the good news. Proclaim good news. Proclaim good news, right? We're to do that to every person. We're called to do that. And what is good news? It is absolute objective truth. The word of God is absolute, and science is found on objectivity, or it's supposed to be. I know when it aligns with the word of God, I know it's, I know it's objective, right? Value-generating believers are going into the world to be read of all men, being epistles read of all men. Man, I want to go into the world, and I want to bring good news. I want to get around somebody who feels shame and be a voice to break the power of that shame to tell them how truly valuable they are. It's not hard to find those who need light when they're living in darkness. Let's go to the darkness, guys. We're trying to all release what we carry in church, and we want to do that. We like workers. We like people involved. We like all that stuff. We're a family. Family works together. Come on. That's what connects us. You know, all those things, it's all beautiful, 
But God hasn't put everything that's inside of me just to manifest in the four walls of the church. Come on. He wants us to go into darkness. He wants you to go into the community. He wants you to touch the organizations in the community, not just the Christian ones. See, God is looking for those that he can trust to represent him. Promotion is going to come. Opportunities are going to come. Open doors are going to come when he knows that you are going to be one who values who he values. If we're going to go there and you awful sinner, you, what are you doing that for? Well, my goodness gracious, they're going to just flock to you. <laughs> no. But when we can go value somebody right where they're at, just like our God does us, then guess what? They're going to be drawn to you. Why could Jesus sit with the sinners and the publicans? Man, he was sitting with pretty dark guys, you know, dark spiritually, dark guys. He didn't condemn. He didn't judge. Because if he was condemning, they'd be running from him. But he was valuing them and he was drawing them in. Go into all the world. Look at the word world. It means cosmos, or it doesn't mean cosmos. That's the uh, Greek word. It means order and governments. Oh, my gosh. We can go into the order of things, into the structure of things, into, into business, into government, into the educational system. Guys, we can go into those systems, and we can be validators to begin to shift the culture in those environments. I've had the honor, and I won't go into details because this is on Facebook Live, but I have had the honor to go into socialistic, communistic governments. And when I went into those areas, into those governments, you know, uh, here I was, this little white lady from America, and they assumed I was coming in in pride. They weren't really big on Americans, especially little white ones, Okay. <laughs> And so, but you know what? It didn't take very long at all for them to know that I genuinely loved and valued them. Governmental leaders, and I didn't, I couldn't preach. I didn't say one thing about Jesus. I didn't say one thing about the word of God. I just genuinely valued them. It opened up doors and literally socialistic slash communistic, they're much more communistic, Leaders came to the Lord. There was five high leaders equivalent to U.S. senators came to the Lord. Why? Because they were valued. And that validation built a bridge, and they wanted to come over on that bridge. And guess what? They found Jesus. Come on. I couldn't preach. But you don't need to preach. You just need to live. Order, governments, the whole earth or the land, the inhabitants or the people, the world affairs, the total of all things upon the earth. So that's just everything. Go into anything in your world and you be that light. Rebecca, I'd like you to share a perfect illustration of this. I like, uh, I like when... Uh mom shared about real work because I may have a title on a business card, but my real work is valuing people. 
So I work for a hospitality management company, and uh, we manage hotels all around the United States, Hiltons and Marriott's and Renaissance and all those good company or uh, properties. And so my role is human resources, more of the training side. Uh, they tagged on some more uh, work and culture training, which I, I love. That's the great part about my job. But long story short, two, uh, two weeks ago, uh, we had a an all-corporate meeting, so everyone from the corporate level got together, and they were there for a couple days, and I trained for eight hours, so they wanted me to train on our culture, and I've done it before, and but I looked at, at what I had, and I'm like, I'm adding intrinsic, extrinsic, systemic value, and I'm adding the the, the simplified process of thought, and I'm adding, you know, illustrations, and you know what, I'm not going to tell them, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask for forgiveness later, <laughs> uh, and so long story short, I had the ability to impact every single corporate team member, uh, which then flows down to our properties, which flows down to our ambassadors, which flows down to uh, their families, so as I was, as I was teaching, I was impacting over a 11,000 people. And, and so uh, they received it. People are hungry for value, to be valued, and to release that value. And one thing that was really neat, I, I used the illustration that my mom does about who wants $5? Me, me. And she does that whole, that whole illustration. But I thought, they probably could care less about $5, you know, because these are corporate members, they're making a lot. And so I'm like, you know what, I am going to personally invest because I feel like we need to personally invest in where we're at. And and so I'm like, I'm going to pull out a 50 out of my, my, out of my bank account. And I, I said, okay, who wants a 50? And people are raising their hands. And I'm like, all right, you come up. And, uh, and so they're like, well, who's going to expense that? And I said, I want you to know that this is not going to be expensive. It came out of my personal bank account because I so believe in what I'm teaching you today. And, uh, and so then I did the whole illustration. You went in, I'm like stomping it on the ground. And the funny thing is, is I put a little joke in there. I said, you're half the man is your brother Benjamin because it's a 50 and a Benjamin's 100. <laughs> And, and so I did that, and I'm like, do you want the 50 now, you know, and why, why do you want the 50? And so I'm saying all of that because it's so important that we take what is being, what, it, what we're learning and, and not just apply it to ourselves, which is so important. You have to value yourself, but applying it to your world. And I've, I've had so many people come up and really trying to dig into what I, had, what I shared with the intrinsic simplified process of thought and impacting your world. It, it doesn't have to be on a high corporate level. It can be every single day. I went out uh, to uh, update my car insurance and I was talking to the lady and she was saying about how her granddaughter was in the hospital. And I, I said, well, I'll pray for you. And I got up and I'm like, can I pray for you now? You know, little things like that that are really important. So being a, a, a thermometer or a thermostat, going in and changing your world.
And she didn't even tell you all the things that they said to her. You're talking highly intelligent, high-level corporate leaders over the nation. And Rebecca had the honor to be able to do all those things. And it impacted them on a heart level. Oh, my goodness. This is how we can shift cultures. So let's look at the word reformation in light of everything we've been talking about. The word reformation means to rescue from error and return to its rightful course. So the fact is, God had a plan. He had a purpose. Man sinned. And error, error came in, correct? Jesus came and he rescued us from error and returned us to a rightful course. And now we get to be the light to go into the world to rescue from error and return to a rightful course. That's powerful. So the United States history, all revivals brought in a harvest of souls, people getting saved. But not all brought reformation to society. They impacted individuals, but they didn't change their world. The Bible says that Jesus is held into the heavens until the restoration of all things. So guess what? we got a lot of restoring to do. We've got a lot of work to do in our world so the world is prepared for the return of Jesus Christ. He's waiting on us to be the light. He's waiting on us to be the validators. See, many times in church history, the church was separated from the world. Isn't that right? The church became its own little subculture. We'll come to the church, and we'll do our little churchy thing, and then we will go out to the world. But guess where we lived? We didn't live in church. We lived in the world. And so the church became this little subculture where we came. We had our own Christian language. We have to say things a certain way. We act, we dance, we jump, we hop. We, we do whatever it is we do in the church, but then we go out and just live like the world. I mean, we might look a little, you know, nicer. We might say a little nicer things. We might have tried to avoid doing horribly sinful things. But the fact is, we're trying, and then we're trying to get people to come from the world into the church when we're to be taking the church to the world. Our goal isn't to get people into the kingdom, even though we want people to be saved. Our goal is to take the kingdom to them. I just thought of this. Why has online sales boomed? Affecting the retail industry. Because we want the stuff to come to us. We don't want to have to go get it. That was good. I know. I just thought of that. Hallelujah. <laughs> but see, the <laughs> but see, <laughs> but see, the problem was we visited the church and we live in the world. All right? So the focus was on inside the four walls, not establishing a biblical worldview and demonstrating the kingdom. The fact is, revival isn't for revival's sake, so we have goosebumps and we can jump and shout and get some people saved. No, we need to be revived. We need to be raised from the dead, as it were, inside of us, raised out of religious traditions of men, having such a passion for the kingdom of God that we're not coming to take and get, but we get filled up so we can go out and give. Come on. Charles Finney, he's like one of my heroes, 1800s. He was a revivalist, and he was an abolitionist. He wasn't just a preacher. He was fighting against slavery. Oh, I love this guy. In the early 1800s, uh, Finney is known for the impact 
the impact of society through churches and Christians actively involved in culture. He was involved in the temperance movement, the suffrage movement, which was like women's rights. Can you imagine way back then fighting for women's rights? Abolitionist movement, which was anti-slavery, and social activism. Oh, my goodness. You know, I just don't want social justice. I want biblical justice. I want to see the kingdom touch somebody on a core heart level. But I'm not against justice. My word for justice is power used for good. So whenever we use our power, our influence, our opportunities, our wealth, whenever we take what we have and we do it for the good of someone else, that's being an instrument of justice. And so Finney, people were getting saved. But when he got saved, it was like, okay, I got saved last night. Okay, you got saved, you're in the kingdom. Come on, let's go fight slavery. Come on, let's rise up and do something about being a part of the kingdom now, right? Let's stand for what's right. His definition of sin has become my definition of sin. I reword it a little bit differently, but this is so huge. His definition was anything that was destructive or dehumanizing to the human race. That's what sin was. If it devalued or dehumanized a person, that is sin. Even if I look in the mirror and I devalue myself, that is sin. And he fought for anything that was devaluing or dehumanizing a human being. When Charles Finney preached, this is what he said. I have made up my mind on the question of slavery and was exceedingly anxious to arouse public attention to the subject. In my prayers and in my preaching, I so often alluded to slavery and denounced it that a considerable excitement came to exist among the people. Oh, come on. Let's get excited about confronting those things that devalue those that are around us. Not be a part of the problem, but be a part of the solution. Somebody starts speaking negative to me about somebody else. I refuse to listen to it. Did they mess up bad? Yeah, they did. Did they do horrible things? Yeah, they did. But so have I. Come on. I am not going to position myself. In fact, I was telling Stephen yesterday, it's like I go into a crowd of people and it's like, I have become so sensitive when things are said that I'm going, oh, man, that was devaluing. And, you know, these are precious, beautiful, wonderful people. But, you know, there's those hidden biases. They don't even know their bias. They don't even know they have prejudice. They don't even know. They don't even recognize it. But when things start coming out of their mouths, you're going, oh, help them, Jesus. Help them, Jesus. I know some people in this room. And I know that can hurt some people. Now, we don't, we don't want to be so, you know, I'm not talking about being politically correct. I'm talking about valuing. This isn't about politics. It isn't about anything external. It is about having the heart of God that's going to love people. You know, the Jesus movement, that's, that's in the, same, the era where I got saved. And uh, was that in your era? No, you got saved before. Okay, the Jesus movement. And um, you you were around, but I lived in D.C. then, and there'd be these Jesus festivals, and I thought they were crazy because I wasn't saved yet, but the, the fact was there was a movement. I mean, so many people were getting saved in the Jesus movement. Anybody here got saved in the Jesus movement era? Nobody. Oh, my gosh. 
That's because you're all too young. <laughs> They're not old enough. And so, but the fact was, it didn't impact society at all. That same error was, error, yes, error, era. That same era, E-R-A, not E-R-R-O-R, that same era was known for free love, sex, you know, orgies, communes, I mean, all that kind of stuff. That made the headlines, not what was happening in the Jesus movement. Why? Because they were so focused on the feel good of church and religion and all those type of things. And yes, praise God, people got saved. I was in that whole thing. No, I really wasn't in it, but I was around it. But it didn't change the world at all. I believe God is preparing us for the greatest revival that has ever hit the planet. And it's going to come from validation. It's going to come from a revelation of how much the Father loves us. And guess what? No matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter what others have done, no matter where they've been, guess what? There's a place in the family for you. And once you get in the family, guess what? Now it's time to get to work to be a light in the dark world. Second Corinthians 5.14. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves. Now I'm talking to church right now would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Guys, how can I bring light to somebody else when darkness is in me? And I'm not saying we have to be perfect. But I am saying we must deal with the darkness. We must deal with every devaluing, dehumanizing thought that we have. I'm not going to invest into somebody that I'm critical of. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. Thank you, Jesus. What is sin? Anything that devalues or dehumanizes. I'll forgive you for how you've devalued. I'll forgive you for how you dehumanize someone. I'll forgive you how you made everybody you disagreed with an enemy. And then he'll heal our land. I'm not done preaching it, but I feel led to pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just take every devaluing, dehumanizing thought we have concerning ourselves, concerning others, concerning political parties, concerning races, concerning uh, different uh, socioeconomic statuses, any devaluing thought of generations or age, they're too old, they're too young. Finding all the things that people are not rather than what we expect them to be. We just repent right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just thank you that you begin to bring to our thoughts the moment we say something that has that edge of devaluation in it. And we repent and we receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. What is repentance? It's a changing the way we think. Just when we change the way we think, we've already repented, whether or not we do a traditional prayer. I let truth change me. 
So you see, 98% of the church is already in the marketplace. Only 2% of the body of Christ is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Only 2% of the body of Christ is the ones standing behind the pulpit. 98% of the body of Christ is already positioned in communities, in businesses, in the educational system. Come on. That's where we're at. I was craving to go back into the marketplace. I had an itch I couldn't scratch. Here, we've been in ministry for, what, 40 years? So we've been in ministry. And it's like, I just struggled with church. I wasn't created to deal with all the craziness that went on with religious traditions of men. It just never fit. And you know what? I didn't fit, and they didn't really like me that much. And everything we went through was really always blamed on me. It was all Melody's fault. And it was just so hard. I tried so hard to conform. But, you know, when you're just conforming, you're never fulfilled. You're living in fear. Hallelujah. They, those days are gone. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? I love you guys. I love you. I love you. I love you. Man, if I would have had this 40 years ago, I might not have been craving the marketplace, you know? But the fact is, it was like, man, I lived in D.C. I wasn't even saved, and I received more validation in a time when I was a woman's liber, and there really was inequality. I still was valued. The two agents that were over me, if I was five minutes late for work, and I never was, but if I would have been five minutes late for work, they would have come hunting for me. Why? Because they valued me. They wanted to protect me. I was used to being able to release the gifts that I carried and have it have an impact. And then I got in church, and I'm releasing the gifts that I carried. And you're not supposed to do that. Women are not supposed to do that. Melody's always messing up the service. Isn't this true? I mean, it was, it was, it was a ride. And um, I know, that's what he would always say. He said, Melody, you're okay with God. You're okay with me. Just do it. I tell you, I got a good one right there. All right. But there was this itch inside of me. There was this itch inside of me to release. And honestly, I believe God uses everything to keep us positioned for his purposes. The enemy is damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. He's defeated no matter what. So I'm not saying any of that to blame or attack, man. I'm, I'm just being real. But I'll tell you, when I got into the marketplace, places I couldn't preach or I could just live it, I've led more people to the Lord through my consulting company than I have as a pastor, which makes sense because most people are saved when they come to church, right? I got to go into the darkness and be a light, and it felt so good to shine. And when you value someone, they return it. They're like, oh, she loves me. I remember I went to a place I was doing for the whole ministry of finance for Trinidad and Tobago. And there were so many people that you couldn't even see the end of the room. And nobody would look at me in the eyes because of the shame you know, I was this consultant coming in. And when I saw that, it just broke my heart. 
So the illustration Rebecca was talking about with the money, I said, who wants this money? And I crumbled it up and I spoke evil and I threw it on the ground and I stomped on it and I picked it up and I said, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what has been spoken about you, no matter what you've experienced, nothing takes away your value. And in that huge governmental meeting, People were lifting, lifting up napkins just to wipe the tears away from their eyes. They were so impacted. Why? Because I valued them. Guess what? Ones that wouldn't look at me before it started, when we came to break, they were lined up to give me hugs, not even to ask me about anything. They just wanted to hug me. They wanted to kiss my cheeks. Oh, my goodness. It was a high for me. And all I did was value them. Guys, it's not hard. The simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of good news. Man, first, when you can value you and then you start valuing others, you will automatically change your world. You will be automatically turning from your wicked ways so God can heal the land where you put the sole of your foot. The enemy is so afraid of who you are and what you carry. What you carry. He's so afraid of you being you. The enemy is so afraid of the gifts that God's put inside of you. Oh, my gosh, if I can hold them back in fear, they won't release what's inside of them because it's going to destroy the kingdom of darkness. When you go back to Genesis, there's a Hebrew word, avod, A-V-O-D. And it's the exact same word for work and worship. That same word means work that same word means worship. I don't know if I told you this or not. It, it happened a few weeks ago, and I was just really struggling trying to learn how to do all these videos and the millennial work, and I'm a baby boomer, you know. I mean, this, I'm his child. And I'm sitting there in my office, and there's tears running down my face. And I understood what was going on, so I wasn't in fear, but, boy, I was stressed because... I felt powerless because this was not my expertise. And I had to do things that I was not good at, and I knew I just had to learn. Because either I was going to make excuses why I can't, or I was going to push through and learn. So I was pushing through as tears were running down my face, feeling very inadequate. And in the midst of that kind of heavy atmosphere, I heard, I love how you worship me. I'm going to cry now. I go, God, that's right. This is worship right there. When I felt like I was doing a horrible job and I didn't know what to do next and Google was my best friend. <laughs> In the midst of those things, it's like, I love how you worship me. And I just stopped I cried. I just had this moment with God, and I went back to Google. Because, see, the enemy is afraid of this voice. The enemy wants to shut me down so I don't go into the marketplace, go into the places where there are people hurting and value them and honor them and celebrate them. I don't want to go preach to them. I want to go be a living epistle. If they come to me, that's great, but I don't want to go to the world and preach. I just want to bring the kingdom to them. Philippians 2.15, and I got to quit. That you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless. Oh, think about it. That I would be blameless and guileless 
innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish, faultless, unrebukable. I mean, there's this core thing on the inside of me. I don't want selfish agendas. I want to guard my heart from any selfish agenda. I've got to guard my heart when saying, okay, let me have this relationship with Tracy to see what she's going to give to me. God, i got to guard. Let your request be made known unto God. I don't, I want purity. Faultless and unrebukable in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation. Spiritually perverted and perverse. So if there's any perversion inside of me, how can I be a light? Among whom, oh, look at this. Among whom you are seen as a bright light, stars or beacons shining out clearly in the midst of a dark world. Wow, what an honor. I won't go to the other slides. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just thank you and praise you, Lord God, that you have given us this amazing, beautiful honor to value others. But Lord, for those who haven't heard me speak before, right now I pray for each one that they would see by your spirit how valuable they are. And it doesn't matter what their past was because their past has no power over their future. The pain can become purpose. The mess can become a message. The victimization can become those places of victory where I rise up and I become an instrument of justice on behalf of others. That the enemy will look just like he looked when when he crucified Jesus. He said, man, if I would have known, I wouldn't have done that. That the enemy will regret Every devaluation, everything that tried to dehumanize us, every injustice that came against us, he will regret it. And Lord, we declare and decree, that's why you take and turn all things around for good. And Lord, we will be able to walk in the fullness of your purposes, not because of our past, but because of your love and your validation for us. So Father, I thank you. Each one is seeing their value. And, Lord, we break off all comparison that they will see the beauty of the treasure that they hold, that they would not compare their gifts with someone else's, that, Lord, there would be such a celebration of relationship and partnership. And, Lord, I thank you that you are establishing through wisdom how to release which you've placed inside of each one. So we call each one forth right now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we call them forth. And in Jesus' name, we just thank you that out of that place, even before we arrive, even before we come to perfection, which will never happen on this planet, (laughs) but Lord, that we'll take what we are becoming to release to the world a message of who they can be. In Jesus' name. Just thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name.